Good evening, one and all, and welcome along. I think I'm totally frozen. No, you're still you're still moving. <laughs> Very good. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened there, but um, welcome along. It's season five, episode twenty-three. And Lauren, I think this is the first show we've done together since the start of the season. It it is. I've um, been fairly busy on Tuesday nights, so um, but I've managed to rejig a few things tonight. Otherwise, you'd be doing it all by yourself. I think. So. <laughs> that that's it. That's it. I, I I I'm I'm starting to feel totally friendless at the minute. With you guys heading off to Dallas without me for for a week, and then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's been yeah. great to have you along. And look, I I haven't spoken to you since Dallas. So how was it? Oh, it was just. Absolutely immense. Everything you could ask for and more. I mean, liver, as I said on Thursday, my liver's needing a bit of a break at the moment. Um, because literally, I mean, we were, what, you're talking 18, hour, 18 hours on the go just in the transportation on the first day. Yeah. And then um, then Chris throws us a fantastic um, barbecue. We meet up with the can fans um and you know we're we're still going at probably about half four uk time um <laughs> you know considering i mean pretty much on the go since about five o'clock in the morning the, the day before sort of thing you know um yeah. and then absolutely everything that barry laid out was you know just top notch i mean getting to hang out with des bryant put you know and des puts the joey hat on and walks around with it for 45 minutes and um <laughs> you know it, it, that, that was just brilliant and you know there's there's a lot of things um that went on um you know that uh paul, paul doesn't have any recollection of so <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that, look, that, as, as, as we always say, what goes on tour stays on tour, so we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll go yep. no further than that. But I'm loving, loving Labarski's little dig at you there, Lauren. He's saying you must have forgotten your liver was Scottish. It's always Scottish. It's just it's, get, it's, get, it's getting on a bit in years. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And Mark Anthony is asking us, how was the Texas barbecue? <sighs> Incredible. I mean, I think that's all we basically ate for the entirety of our time there. I mean, as I say, Chris Chris had laid on a barbecue mm. the next night. Um, for I think we we picked up the the turkey from uh, Ferris Wheeler's barbecue. Yeah, uh, brought that back, and we thought, well, we're not probably not going to eat a hell of a lot on Thanksgiving Day itself. We might as well start on that night so we had some yeah. of that and um you know we were then uh, we had jack in the box after the game on 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 the thursday um the friday we got taken out to hard date barbecue mm. saturday we moved we moved to the sheraton suites and right next door was ferris wheeler's barbecue so we were in there for dinner breakfast and dinner again um, and breakfast on, on the final day as well. So I mean, it was literally. I think it was all barbecue that we had. So I'm yeah. I'm glad I only came back about an eight, carrying an extra five pounds or so. But <laughs> Logan, if you can't come back from Texas carrying an extra, I think I think I weighed myself when I went in 2017. I'd say I put on about ten pounds quite easily. Yeah. So uh, 
yeah, you, 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 you've got to do it. <laughs> and Joe was saying he misses Jack in the box. And reverse that good old Jack in the box. Definitely, it, it, definitely. it was well worth the wait, but I mean, I think whether they were short-staffed or whatever, with it being Thanksgiving or not, but I mean, it took, mm. I think Jamie at one point was about to jump across and try and make his own because it took about 40 <laughs> minutes for each, you know, 40 <laughs> minutes for each order to come out. So, yeah. Um, you know, and and Jamie had, had a few margaritas by that point in time. So. <laughs> I have to I have to say, Jamie was all right walking home. Uh, there were a couple of lads who weren't. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I'm Joe. I'm going to pick a bone with you here now for saying things like this. The only thing we have in Italy is pizza in the box. I've been to Italy for the last two years. I strongly disagree with that. <laughs> And I, I, I can point to Bistecca alla Fiorentina being absolutely <laughs> the best thing you can eat in life. Yeah. But look, Lauren, we're here to talk. Obviously, we, we do love talking about barbecue and all things like that. But obviously, we're here to talk about Thursday night's game and, you know, a 41 35 victory over the Seahawks at home. We're still second in the NFC East. You yeah. know, can see it. Thoughts after the game? Well, I think first of all, in general, about the whole weekend, the whole of this weekend's been brilliant because obviously, uh, yours and my college team have made it to the college football playoff. Um, yeah. The Eagle, the Eagles got taken out and spanked by the 49ers this weekend. It pained me to actually cheer on the 49ers this weekend, mm-hmm. but I've had a. I've I've had a um, chemical shower on Monday morning and I'm back to normal now, um, <laughs> but it it means that there's all to play for going into this weekend, which is brilliant, yeah. you know. Um, and fair, fair enough, it's it's now it, it's difficult to see us getting the one seed, but if we can at least get a divisional championship by winning this this forthcoming weekend, then great, um, mm. you know and. It it means we're not getting the bye week um, in the playoffs, but you know it means that we've yeah. got home field advantage. And obviously, the way the way our home field advantage is at the moment, we're at fourteen games and and counting. So, yeah, fingers crossed that continues. We've only got we've yeah. only got um, we've only got two more home games left this season. Yeah, like I think what is it's. Um... Obviously, this game on Sunday, and then, and then is De- it Detroit, Detroit on December thirtieth. Yeah, the Jimmy Johnson induction. There you go, the Jimmy Johnson induction. Absolutely. So we'll all be tuned in for that. But one of the things I heard, I think it was yesterday, um, was that apparently, even if we beat the Eagles, God, I said their name. Jesus, I'm really losing it. But. Uh, if we beat them on Sunday, that they can still win the NFC East because they'd if if the two of us then went undefeated because they'd have a better divisional record or something like this. So, you know, we we still don't have that that getting that home field advantage in our in our in our own ownership as yet. Um, but I mean that team is not looking great right now. They're they they've scratched wins when they should have lost and you know they got a solid thumping on yeah. Sunday um 
They've lost a couple of players. They've brought in, obviously, we'll talk about Jack Leonard in a minute. But, I mean, is this maybe hopefully the start of them starting to, to, to fall down a little bit? Well, you you can, but hope. I mean, obviously, one of the statistics at the beginning of the year was that teams who play the 49ers um, tend to lose the following week, which, again, bodes well for, for this mm-hmm. week. Um, the, and certainly it, it was a dogfight between two of them. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was there was no quarter given between those two teams. So um, Philadelphia should be banged up. We've obviously had the three extra days because of playing on Thursday night, um, yeah. you know, and we'll, we'll go back. Obviously we'll discuss this, but, you know, I think the guys needed that, that three extra days, obviously, yeah. you know, the Cowboys are, the Cowboys are used to playing Thanksgiving. They're getting used to playing the following Thursday as well. So that's three games in something like 12 days. Yeah. Um, but it still takes tremendous toll on your body. And there's, there's only so much you can do to actually, uh, yeah. factor all that in and I think you know some of the problems that we had in that game there were as a direct result of um, fatigue um, mm-hmm. you know Deron Bland um, getting picked on by DK Metcalf I mean Metcalf's obviously um, you know he is a speedy receiver anyway you only have mm-hmm. to look at the, the love affair that NFL has with him when he when he tracks back and uh, covers interceptions or whatever and yeah. you know the, the speedometer and all that but um, uh, you know Deron Bland had a hard game you know and it, it he he's probably one of the hardest hitters for a cornerback as well so it's mm. it's not like he it's not like he's a Dion Sanders style of cornerback yeah. who you know just lets everybody else tackle he's actually making those tackles as well so it's yeah. it's maybe ha- had an effect on him those those three games in 12 days or so yeah and like the, the thing the thing with this is and I've, I've i've kind of seen a few comments about this over the past few days is oh the nfl is favoring dallas again you know they always know now that they're getting the they have their thanksgiving game and then they have their their, their game on the thursday the following week and then they've you know a, t- a 10 day mini break everyone who plays on thursday night football has a 10 day mini break yeah you know, i and last last year was actually different because we had Thanksgiving. We then played the following Sunday, so you had a ten gate ten day uh, break there. But then you were playing mm-hmm. the following Thursday, so you were yeah. um, you had ten days, four days, and then you had a ten days again, sort of thing. So yeah. they are chopping and changing it. There is no there is no um, guarantee that we're playing the, the Thursday after Thanksgiving as well. Yeah. Um, you know and. Um, you could, it's it's again, you know, the the criticism that Dallas has had that you know up until last weekend we hadn't beaten a team over five hundred, yeah. um, you know, and but you you know as I say, it's not like you you're loading up Madden every week and uh, saying right this week I'm going to play X team or whatever. You can only play the teams that are on your schedule, and you can only the factors yeah. the cards fall as they may. Um, you know, so you and you have to deal with them as best you can. And touch, touch wood, we're seeing that the team respond this year. So, yeah, absolutely. And look, as 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 I kind of alluded to er, there, there a couple of minutes ago, 
the I suppose the big news coming out since since the weekend, obviously, is that uh, Shaq Leonard has gone to that team up north. Um, yep. I don't think that was ever really in doubt, and that kind of broke maybe Tuesday, Wednesday last week. You know that obviously, I think is that Hassan Reddick is his best friend. One of his college coordinators is is based in in that or is with that team now. So it wasn't really a surprise he didn't sign for us. Well, I mean, if you also factor in that Nick Sirianni was actually the offensive coordinator for the first three years mm-hmm. of his career at, at Indianapolis as well. Yeah. Um, there always, you know, there always is a sort of um, element of <clears throat> you, you worrying about letting somebody go out of the building. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think the turning point, though, probably was the fact that, you know, seeing how badly the, the linebackers were tackling for Philadelphia mm. in in the game on Sunday, there um, he he maybe thinks he's got a very good chance of actually getting some some serious playing time and actually being able to try and resurrect his career. It is a one year deal; it's base minimum, prorated, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, he, he's he's you got to remember he's actually getting paid by Indianapolis still for the remainder of the season yeah. in terms of, uh, his his guaranteed monies. Um, and you know, the, this is just a bonus rather than sitting around at home. He, he's still able to put tape out and say, "Look, I may have been passed over by younger players, but I've still got the potential to 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 forge a career." And who who knows? Five six weeks time, uh, once Philadelphia's season's over, you know, um, and it goes to the off season, he's a free agent again, and we can maybe put the hard pitch on him as well but yep. you know you, you thought he was maybe going to Philadelphia for a long-term deal and they were in the better position long term we were in the better yep. position short term in being able to handle the the cap charge um, yep. it hasn't worked out that way wish him all the best and we move on so yeah absolutely and um like what we're kind of hearing today, and Rich put this in our own private chat, but I'd, I'd seen Brian Broadus had reported it as well. And as Rich said, Michael Fish is reporting it, is that Anthony Barr might be on his way back to Dallas. Um, he's currently on the Vikings practice squad. And I think you said that he's been elevated twice already. So, you yeah. know, he's trying to be poached. Yeah, again, it means because he's he's played two games, he's got the experience this year. It's not a case of putting him onto the practice squad and trying to ramp him up physically mm-hmm. or anything like that. He's he, he should be ready to go. He knows the Dan Quinn defence, so yeah. <clears throat> barring any tweaks that have gone in since he left the Cowboys, and I'm sure there have been tweaks because obviously Dan, Dan Quinn doesn't, sit around and do nothing, uh, twiddle his thumbs, you know, the yep. defence has changed year in, year out um, Barr's actually been playing, when he has got on he's, he's played, a, you know substantially better than he probably yeah. was last year, and yeah, we probably need as much help as we can get, so because um, yeah. Rashan Evans um, you know, was guilty of a couple of penalties, I mean Last weekend, I think that the refs seemed to like throwing the yellow dusters a hell of a lot because I think it was what 19, 19 penalties between the two of them. So nineteen um, penalties for two hundred and fifty-seven yards. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I think generally this year the, there was a stat while we were away that um, 
you know, there's some, there's been something like 386 infractions this year and already 15, 15 and a half million dollars in fines. Yeah. Um, and last year it was 15.2 million dollars in fines for the whole season and only 186 infractions or whatever. So, yeah. they're, you know, they're certainly cracking down on it this year. And to me, part of it should be that you let the boys, you let everybody play. And unless it's... Uh, <laughs> right, okay. Um, but, so... Um, so- so for anyone who's listening in there, Lebarski has, has come in and he said, no, thank you to uh, Anthony Barr. He said he'd rather have Lauren and his recovering liver out there than Barr, <laughs> than the Barr we got last year. But Lauren, as you said, look, he's he's playing better this year. And, you know, Rashawn Evans, we kind of have to make a decision on him. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Ev- Evans has played... He's played okay, but I mean, obviously, he's he's not getting the same t- game time because Marquis Bell. Fair credit to him. Okay, yeah. he's a light he's a light linebacker, but he's actually stepping up and, yeah. um, you know, he's he's p- putting the rest of them to shame. So, but the, there are going to be games, obviously, like this this game that we're going into this week, where it's it's a a steady running game, um, yeah. you know, and this is probably where you need your linebackers more than more than most but um yeah yeah we'll we'll leave that for thursday's show obviously yeah absolutely and there's been a couple of comments in here and i'm going to throw this again it's something we can lean into a little bit labarski has said i'll put my chips into uh agent zero's corner and then dj dog has come in and said um i believe leonard would have been a replacement for the overshown role that had been planned in pre-season in that kind of spy type role yep I th- I, I, <coughs> by all accounts, I mean one one of the things as well is obviously mm-hmm. Leonard made his early career on being able to uh, drop back in that sort of Tampa two and play that yeah. linebacker who's roving the length of the, roving the length of the field, playing with the slot receivers, that sort of thing. Obviously, hampered by injuries the last couple of years, he's not been able to do that, but. One of the things that attracted him to Dallas was that Dan Quinn had said he believed he could be the nickel linebacker for us, which means, again, bringing you back and and expecting you to drop back in coverage more than more than anything. So, it, it it's don't don't think that he he was truly playing us off against Philadelphia. I'm sure, you know, if if Philadelphia had won. The linebackers had played well and all that, and he thought, "Well, I've not got a chance of playing time there. I'm more likely to have Dallas." Then, you know, he would have been back on the. He would have been back, and I believe he was actually scheduled to meet Je- uh, Jerry for lunch today. Yeah. Um, from what I'd seen, he was he was still having a lunch with Jerry as well. So again, maybe maybe that's putting the footwork in for next season as well. If 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 nothing pans out with uh, Philadelphia in terms of a long-term deal. Yeah. And Lebarski is just, he's just kind of asked us, so who are we cutting for Baron Hendershot? I'd, I'd imagine Rashawn Evans is going to be the first name that'll be mentioned. It'd be a, just a like for like a linebacker swap out. Hendershot. Um, I think Tyrus Ty, Sweet has had a concussion the last couple of weeks. Um, there you go. You know, the, there's always a bit of creative accounting going on. So um... <laughs> don't 
careful now with two accountants in the house, Lauren. Yes. We, we, yes. we, we might get off track on that one. But um, look, um, I've, I've kind of been seeing the betting line since the weekend, and obviously Jalen Hurts didn't have a great game on Sunday. Um, Dak is now kind of very much in the running for MVP. Mike Parsons is very much the leader in the betting for the defensive player of the year, you know. And and obviously last week, I think it was before Thursday's show, we had um, uh, Dak and then Deron Bland got offensive and defensive player of the year or player of the month for November. So, yeah. you know, we have guys who are going to be in that postseason honours list. Yeah, def- definitely. And I mean, I think if, if that continues this um, trajectory that he's on at the moment, mm-hmm. and you know, there, there will, I believe there will be the odd blip. You know, yeah. he, you know, he has said he's cut down on interceptions this year. Touchwood, that's conti- he, he's proved on that. Um, yeah. But, you know, he is showing the po- poise that probably ranks right up there with... Um, you know, pre injury Dak. Um yeah. you know, so um if if he carries with that, I mean he, he you know, if you think about it, he was probably odds on that he was going to be in the in the running before he went down with the injury because he'd passed for you you were talking he was almost going to be on five or six thousand yards pace for passing that yeah. year. Um this year it's a case that, you know, he's just controlling the ball, he's and and it does seem since since the the 49ers game it's this is where our offense has actually suddenly started to click together we we had the teething troubles pre 49ers game and the 49ers game itself from that point on you know we've we've developed the chemistry with it, all the guys you've got um lamb you've got uh, brandon uh, cooks stepping up yeah. and and then you've got the bit parts coming in, the the fact that you're seeing catches from Jalen Tolbert, Jalen Brooks, Kevontae Turpin, you know, Dak's been able to spread it around. And this offense is actually it's it's kicked off in the last four or five weeks. It's it yeah. it does seem that you know this if he if he can keep it going, then yeah, I can quite easily see him being if if not the MVP, then um, because. <laughs> You do have to wonder. Tyreek Hill is on course for two thousand yards as a wide receiver. That would be the first time. Yeah. To be honest, I can see him getting the MVP if if he manages to get over two thousand yards. I think. Yeah. You know, it, it it'd suddenly be it'd be hard not to. So. Yeah, and I and I love the way Lauren. I think this always kind of happens anytime it's me and you are on the show. <laughs> yep. You kind of, you you kind of sink straight into a question that I I'm, I'm building in my head. But you kind of mentioned it there in terms of, say, how the offense has performed since that 49ers game and how kind of this Texas Coast offense is everyone starting to get familiar with it. The team is building and, you know, yeah, there were a few sacks on Thursday night, but everyone seems to be getting a lot more comfortable with it. They're controlling the clock. They're controlling possession and you know, people know where they're supposed to be now, and you, you know, like they're they're getting ahead early, 
with throwing the ball, but then controlling things with running the ball. You know, obviously, look, you were there at AT and T for Thanksgiving, and you know, is that how the offense is looking? Yeah, I mean. <sighs> It, it, it was interesting that this week we actually went straight down the field and actually um, scored on the opening possession, Brandon mm-hmm. Aubrey kicking a field goal. But, you know, I, again, there was a few things that went wrong when we got down into uh, the red zone. There yeah. were a few little niggles that st- stopped it and stalled the drive, and it meant that we had to go for a field goal. Um, but, you know, f- again, thankfully, Brandon Aubrey is automatic at the moment in terms of field goals. Yeah. Um, you know, so that was good. But as I say, I mean, I think you've seen in every game that we've played, pretty much the first drive seems to be just seeing what's available, going through a script or whatever, as you talk yeah. about. And then, you know, they the then see things that they can build on. And that's when, you know, you suddenly go straight through the gears. And by the end of, by the, end of the first half, you know, you, you've got the lead in general. Um, obviously it was a bit different this this week, but um, you know y- your offense then kicks into gear and um, you you start pulling away. Th- this week, obviously, it was a bit more um, chop and change. You know the lead changed so many times, and it was a case of trying <coughs> combat that. Um, yeah. You know, and again. All credit to the guys. They could have, they could have folded. They could have, you know, the defense wasn't wasn't their day for the most of the, uh, yeah. I think three three quarters of the game. And then, you yeah. know, it, at one point, the last three drives, I think Seattle um, didn't convert anything at all. And you know, obviously, this was a game that um, is one of only five since certainly since the the merger where. There's been no punts in the game at all. And interestingly enough, three of those games, Mike McCarthy's been a coach in them. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> he obviously, you know, it, it was a completely weird game from that point mm. of view. You don't, it's not a game that you see all the time where there are no punts. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, to, to, to be in a dogfight like that. And, you know, I and again, you've seen criticism this week where, you know, the Eagles have have basically um, won ugly for all of their games so far this season that that, that they've won. They've won by six yard, uh, six points or so or less. Yeah. Um, and everybody's going, oh yeah, the Eagles are brilliant because you know they're doing what it takes to win. The Cowboys yeah. do the same thing, and they're criticised for letting, uh, you know. And fair play, Seattle last year were a playoff team. Mm-hmm. All, you know they're six and six at the moment. They're they're not yeah. out. Of, they're not out of it. They're still in with a shot of getting a, a wild card position as well. Um, yeah. Fair enough. I think Geno Smith has had games where he's been found out, um, yeah. and you've almost been back to the the New York Jets, um, the, the New York Jets uh, Geno Smith. But um, yeah. you, you can only again. Give give the same credit to Dallas for winning games that you know are ugly, um, yeah. but no, it, obviously it, ratings click bash the Cowboys and yeah, <laughs> it is very true. So look, look, we're, we're nearly half an hour in, and we probably probably need to take a little bit of a look at you know the the offense itself. 
And like the the numbers are rolling through the bottom there in terms of you know like Dak twenty nine for forty one two ninety nine three yards again no interceptions, um you know I mean what more can Dak do or how much better can he be or is it just a case of maintaining the level he's at now for the rest of the season? I I would maintain this level if he can keep the intercept the the turnovers to a minimum get multiple touchdown games like this. I mean, yeah. I th- you know, having three three touchdowns this game, I think he's on pace for six this season at the moment already. And, yeah. you know, there's still five games to play. Um, the, the offense has been, has really taken off. He's, as I say, he's, he's spreading the ball around. So it's mm-hmm. not even like the, you know, you get where last year, you know, or, couple of years ago where Noah Brown would come in and Noah Brown would literally be uh, blocking uh, yeah. uh, on running plays or something like that. This time, the guys are all coming in knowing that if it's a passing play, there's a good chance it's going to come to them. As You know, yeah, okay, he's seeking out C.D. Lamb, he's seeking out Brandon Cooks, but, um, you know, it's if they're covered, then it's going to go mm-hmm. to somebody else. And you've seen that with that sideline catch that Jalen Tolbert made where um, Dak scrambled out and Dak bought time, um, you know, that that was just a thing of beauty. That almost goes back to the sort of uh, Terrence Williams from a few years ago as well, where, you know, catch it on the sideline, just drop out and, you know, you've got an easy, easy first down. Um, And even, I I mean, I think the main thing as well is this offensive line, is beginning to gel. Yes, it had it had problems. I think all the sacks were pretty much on the first couple of drives. Yeah. Um, Seattle had four sacks in this game. After after the uh, offensive line were able to sit down and say, "Look, this is what they're doing." That was it. They shut it down, and you know, um, Dallas were able to. It didn't really have many problems going forward. Um, yeah. So, the, and I mean. If if you kind of expand upon that, and little Mac had a comment in there, he's just said, "Can we get a shout out to the O line? They're playing really well." And I mean, again, does this really really go back to the fact that you have a fully fit offensive line for the first time in a while that has played together? I think it's nearly is it five six games now where we haven't had to change anyone on the line. Yeah, I think it's I think it's five games now that yeah. you know the the full squad are there, um, you know, and t- again, touch wood, they're they're getting substantial play out of Tyron Smith, and um, mm-hmm. you know, normally if if you saw him it, this rest days and not actually practicing him during the week, that would be a cause yeah. for concern, but I don't know if he's I don't know if he's sitting in the video room watching. Uh, the upcoming opponents to see what moves they put on or whatever, but he is pretty much back to he, he, the dominating um, left tackle that you expect him to be. Um, and you know th- the fact that he's only given up a couple of pressures in the last uh, ten games or something like that that he's played um, again shows that um, you know he's not ready to be put out to pasture just yet. Yeah. And I suppose kind of question coming out of this the, these last couple of games in terms of the O line is I suppose really 
is left guard the position now for Tyler Smith? Um, and should we maybe look at drafting a true left tackle in be it in this draft upcoming or maybe in 2025? You know, with like we all know Tyron is very close to retirement. Um, yeah. And, you know, do, do, do you want to do to Tyler Smith what you did to a Tyron Crawford? who you moved in inside and outside and he, he never knew exactly where he was. Like you're getting dominant play out of Tiger Smith. So are they better left to leave him where he is? I th- I think, I think he's best where he is at the moment. And I think obviously yeah. P- the PFF rankings are saying pretty much the same, that he's one of the best guards in the league at the moment. He's, mm-hmm. d- dare I say, he's, he's the best ranked offensive lineman of the Cowboys. Um, and that's that's saying something when you've got when you look across the others to to the other guard and you know yeah. you know what what a substantial guard he is as well. Um, I think that the, I think that's one reason why um, you know they haven't moved them when we had all the in, injury issues at the beginning of the season. That um, you know it is better to let him develop as a, a single. Sp- specific position and you, you did that if you go back historically as well I mean Nate Newton played, played tackle at points and then yeah. switched into guard then was a mainstay of the guard situation Larry Allen was a tackle at one point switched yeah. into guard decided he was better there obviously we had Lyle Collins Lyle Collins was probably better the other way um, yeah. you know and then got switched out to the tackle um, <clears throat> but you know that's it. It sometimes happens that you're you, you're called on to play one position, you play that position, and they think actually you know what you you know you were drafted for this position, but we think you're better here. Um, yeah. And again, who who knows if you if you change the offensive line coach, maybe he comes in and says no, I'd rather I'd rather have something else. Um, yeah. And and yes, you do move him, but. I think going forward, short term, certainly he is—he is the future at guard. Yeah, just a few comments kind of coming in there from from from. So DJ Dog saying, "Look, develop Richards and look for another tackler guarded, or a player who could play both." Lebarski is saying, "Problem is, it'll be easier to find a guard than a tackle where we'll be playing." And then DJ Dog has come back in and said, "This next draft, by the way, will be very deep at tackle." Um, those players get snapped up quickly, though. Um, yep. And I mean, look, that that is the thing. Like, from I'm I'm way behind on the draft this year, and where I normally am. But what I am seeing is there's a lot of left ta- a lot of tackles in this class. So if and we we look, we're projecting here. We don't know for certain if they need a left tackle in this upcoming draft class. They probably will have a chance to get one in that first round if they go that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there sh- there should still be draft um, eligible tackle or first round eligible tackles at thirty two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, which is hopefully where we're playing uh, picking next year. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I think you know, even. When Tyron wasn't available, I think you, you you've got a serviceable um, play out of Chuma Adoga. Um, you know, so he he's your vet, he's maybe your veteran. 
back up if nothing else and um you then <coughs> you you can draft somebody and not have to force them in as a baptism of fire um um so that's a good thing because especially you don't want to be spending a hell of a lot of money on free agency bringing in a tackle that you know worked in one system but maybe doesn't work in this system so um, yeah. if you've got somebody like Chuma Adoga, he continues on this course or you know maintains this level um if Tyron is done after this season then you know, you you can certainly go for, you can certainly go further forwards with Chumadoga, bring somebody in and mm-hmm. and bring them in bring them on slowly. Um Yeah. And I, I, I'm I'm loving the comments that are coming in from everybody telling us we're picking a thirty two this year. Absolutely loving the confidence folks. And look, as we say with with everything to do with the comments, we love the comments and we love that you guys will interact with each other in the comments. So you know, keep that up. And look, if we haven't come to come to your comment or addressed your comment, there is something there that we're you know we we we're trying to touch back on it later. So if you don't see your comment comment coming up straight away, bear with us. We do we do have a flow that we're trying to get to. Um, DJ Dog has said he likes I like Richards and would like a free agent guard they got from Oregon as development guys on the line. Um, uh, that'll be TJ Bass, I think. Is, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Labarski is saying we, we always bring in tackles that didn't work in another system and pay them cheap hoping we can get them right in our system and I mean I think that that's fair like they kind of have done that like you're you're looking as you say Chumadoga, Cam Irving, Cam Fleming they've always brought a guy yep. in for a year and it's it's more insurance for Tyron rather than to bring them in and play and have them on a long term deal yeah but but as I say, I th- I think what you're getting out of Chuma this year is actually better mm-hmm. than you ever got out of Fleming or Irving. Um, yeah. You know, Ir- Fleming and Irving were probably one step up from sort of Chaz Green. Yeah. Um, you know, y- y- you were always worried about if they were playing that you know you were maybe going to end up giving up a six or seven sack game, um, yeah. just just from that position. As as Lebowski saying there, you know. Cowboys have always made a a name for themselves, bringing in guys, moving them around, like Leonard Davis. Leonard Davis was cast off by the Cardinals because he wasn't the left tackle that that they wanted mm-hmm. him to be. We brought him in and thought, actually, you're going to be better as a guard. And, you know, he suddenly went all pro with that. Um, and, you know, earlier this season as well, I was... I, I, again, as as is mentioned here, I was concerned about whether Mike Solari's system was a bit different. Mm-hmm. That there wasn't the buy-in. I think yeah. you know. Um, I think somebody, somebody. I think it was a uh, Tyler Smith that same week was on the Cowboys Hour, and he was mm-hmm. saying that actually the big thing is obviously it wasn't the physicality of the position and what was being asked. It was more the the communication between the five guys um, that hadn't been there because they hadn't been together during preseason, what with uh, Zach's holdout, Tyler's injury, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Um, bringing them all together, and you know now we're seeing the benefits of it after the last five weeks or so as well. And yeah. and again, as we're seeing, because in 
the games that we are supposed to win, and they have been blowout wins, we've been able to bring Chuma, Doga, Asim Richards, TJ Bass, we've been able to bring them in in the fourth quarter when mm-hmm. the game's out of hand and you're getting them experience. So they're not going in untested rookies or untested first-year players next year. Mm-hmm. And there's a good chance that they will step up come come training camp next year and again provide that level of competition that makes the whole offensive line better. Yeah. Absolutely. I just want to go back to a point, and you kind of alluded to it there earlier, and I'm just I'm going back up to where that where it was. Um, you know, you, you made the point about Talbert, you know, that that catch along the line. And you kind of mentioned Terence Williams, and for years that has been Michael Gallup. And yeah. it just seems to be there's something not right. It just seems to be the injuries or the injury just, he, he hasn't come back the same player. I, again, I think the I think because when Michael Gallup was getting called on earlier in the season, there was there was criticism because you brought Brandon Cooks on and Brandon Cooks yeah. had done next to nothing in this offense. Yeah. Brandon, Cook, Brandon Cooks in the last three, four weeks has really established a name for himself. And yeah. where he was lucky if he had, 100 yards receiving for the first five games of the season. He's now closing in where there's a possibility he could be a thousand yard receiver again this season. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's certainly what you, you know, you were almost saying, well, you've got him in, the, you've got him in your arsenal and you're not using him. Why aren't you using him? Well, that's come on. Michael Gallup then, you know, <sighs> Because of his inconsistency, he was he was he's still making the spectacular sideline catches if mm. when he's re, when he's required, but he was then also the same way that Schoonmakers dropped easy passes, Gallup was mm. dropping easy passes as well, yeah. and then that then gives Dak a little bit of hesitation when he's looking when the game's on the line he goes to somebody else, yeah, um, you know and. Yeah, it's a it's a money game. Maybe maybe the coaching staff are thinking, let's see what we've got out of Tolbert. Tolbert's yeah. Tolbert's relatively cheap for the next couple of years. You can get out of Michael Gallup's contract next year for, um, you know, base minimum sort of uh, yeah. dead dead cap, um, you know, and you can move on. Um, so it it's been a bit disappointing, but don't count him out. I mean. Yeah, as Mike McCarthy says, you need all sixty-seven players or so um, yeah. for for a season. It takes the year he won the Super Bowl for um, Green Bay. I think he had something like seventy-five players who played at least one game that that season. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. you know, it it does re- it does require everybody on that team. And even if you're even if you're a lowly practice squad player, you're you're still yeah. helping to develop players as well in in the practice reps as well. So, yeah. um, I mean, it, it it harks back to the day that Jimmy Johnson cut someone going into the playoffs, um, yeah. and uh, you know, and Jimmy was Jimmy was told, well, you know, if this guy is cut, he still gets the Super Bowl ring, he still gets his bonus, and he just said, you know, I don't care, I need someone else in here, you know, like teams will be ruthless with players yep. and you know um sorry i was just trying to find the point yeah dj dog has kind of said you know 
like Talbert, we're getting something out of Talbert. We seem to be getting something out of um, Jalen Brooks as well, you know. And Cavante Turpin is getting one or two catches a game for, you know, for a couple of years. So they're they're using everybody in this offense. Yeah, def- definitely. And I mean, I, again, it's whether it's Turpin not coming in late in training camp and Kellen Moore saying, well, look, I've got my offense set. I'm not willing yeah. to change it or whatever. But this year, certainly Brian Schottenheimer, and, and maybe it's something as simple as well that Kevonte Turpin has had all off season this year to yeah. to relax. He's you know he went eighteen months or so playing in three different leagues before he even got picked up by the Cowboys last year. Um, yeah. You know this year he's had the whole off season to relax, get his body back into shape, and you know again, barring the fact that his wife gave birth right at the beginning of training camp, he was in training camp. Yeah. He only missed a couple of days of training camp. Um, you know, but there's there's maybe not been any other distractions this year. Um, you know, and he's able to focus a bit better, get in on the offense, make the most of it, make the most of his opportunities as well. So, um, yeah. And as look, look, as we say, Mark Anthony is calling it out here. He's saying Dak is definitely spreading the wealth about. I mean, like we 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 know CD is the number one target, and he's yeah. getting ten to twelve catches a game. Brandon Cooks is getting five to six. Jake Ferguson is getting five to six. And that's pretty much your throwing in a game. And then, like, you're getting, say, Turpin, Talbert, um, Brooks. Brooks, Michael Gallup. There's only one or two more balls to go around in a game. You don't want, you don't want that throwing more than 30, 35 times in a game, you know? Yeah. Um, but look, it would be remiss of us to 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 not talk about the offensive performance of one Jake Ferguson last Thursday night. And oh. as little Max said, he is a problem for defenses. He is a problem for safeties. Yes, it's, it's especially overpaid safeties um, who were who uh, the team paid a hell of a lot of draft capital as well uh, to, mm-hmm. to pick up as well. Um, I, I mean, he was he was trying to be an intimidator. Jake Ferguson yeah. just wasn't having any of, any of it. He, you know, um, he focused on the job at hand. And even when uh, Jamal Adams was in his face, he just signaled for a first down and carried on. Um, yeah. Obviously, obviously, seeing the sideline of the the Eagles and Forty Niners game, that wouldn't have happened if it was somebody else. So, yeah. Um, you know, I, I I think Fergie is really coming in, and he, you know, again, we were worried about losing Schultz. Okay, it's taken another couple, it's taken a five or six weeks, but Fergie has yeah. m- made us forget about Dalton Schultz. Albeit Dalton mm-hmm. Schultz is actually p- playing really well down down yeah, in Houston yeah. as well. So, yeah. um, you know, and it is great that we've got these guys because. In the past, because we had Jason Witten and Jason Witten was mm-hmm. the be all and end all of the tight end room, if you think about all the guys that basically then went on to other teams because Jason Witten was the progress stopper, we're yeah. seeing the contribution there. Schoonmaker's now getting involved as well and you know, mm-hmm. is getting better as well. I think next year you you're gonna have a fantastic one two punch between Jake Ferguson and Schoonmaker. 
bring in Hendershot as well if he can yeah. make it back. Um, you know, and this this tight end room is is um, going to be great for the next couple of years as well. So, yeah, I mean, as as you kind of said, and and I I, I don't don't talk about that other game too much, but I mean, it 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 was the thing. And sorry, DJ Dog was kind of saying it here. It's his it's his attitude, and Mark Anthony said it as well. It's the attitude of Ferguson, like. He ploughed through Jamal Adams and just up point as you say, he pointed for the first down and Adams went to Adam and yep. tried chat and Jake Ferguson just said, I'll let my game do the talking and you saw that when the touch when he caught his touchdown. I mean his catch for the touchdown was sensational. Yeah. He was almost going away from the ball and caught it and looked at Jamal Adams and said, There's your answer, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I mean the worst. The worst that can happen is you get you get into a drawing match where these people, um, the the odd punch is thrown, and you're no use sitting in the back, sitting in the um, in the changing room because you've been given a yellow flag and ejected. So, yeah. so focus on what you need to do. Don't let don't let the background noise that uh, these guys are trying to put on, and I, you know. The, the Fergie uh, is is certainly he's a professional and he's you know he is putting that to to one side and he is doing the job that's required of him regardless of what's going on around him. Yeah, absolutely. So look, we'll flip we'll flip it over and we'll talk about the defensive side of the ball. And again, there was there was a comment sent in um, earlier. I'm just trying to trying to pull it up from I think it was from. Um, Andrea, and this was reflected in a couple of other points. And um, Andrea, thanks for thanks for joining. Thanks for posting comments. Um, good game, bad games. They can all be. They can't all be good. But our defense needs to step up a lot more. I and there was another comment from someone else who was saying, "Were we concerned about the defense?" I think it, you alluded to this earlier. It's a little bit hard to say to, to to give out to the defense. Like they've played three games, as you said, in 12, 13 days. Yeah, you know, there's, you know, there's there's wear and tear there, and you're gonna have that those bad moments. And I, I think as well, if you look at it, if you look at the time of possession in those two games at, at the beginning of the the three game run as well, mm-hmm. the the time of possession meant that the defense was heavily on the field. I think, if I remember correctly, it was something like the the commanders were on the field for something like 36, 36 mm. minutes of the game. So. Yeah. It means the defense were only off the field twenty four minutes of the game, yeah. um, you know, and that wear that wears you down. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, the defense were managing to do things. Micah was getting through and getting um, was getting pressure. You know, yeah. they only came out, they only came away with one sack, but I mean. That was purely because as as Gino was going down, he managed to fling the ball out, and thankfully yeah. there was a receiver within fifteen yards or whatever, so it wasn't intentional grounding or anything like that. Yeah. Um. But you know, I think the whole point of view is that the defense had been on the field for so long over those last over those three games that you know it they were sore. The, it, yeah. The the pressure was not getting to them, but it was there and it was palpable that, you know, mm-hmm. um, 
every everybody was a little bit slower, a little bit more tired or whatever. But yeah. you know, when the game was on the line, um, you know, and <clears throat> everybody I, again, everybody talks about Mike McCarthy having uh, interesting uh, clock management issues and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can see what Mike McCarthy was doing, trying to go for the go for the touchdown, ex- extend the extend the lead to um, what it be what ten, eleven points, depending yeah. on whether you go for a one or a two two point field goal. Um, but you know, obviously, it killed the clock because of the incomplete pass, and it meant that Seattle had it with one forty six left and on that last drive, but the defense mm-hmm. stepped up. And obviously, Mike Micah Parsons got the sack there. Everybody was saying, "Well, what were Seattle thinking by leaving Micah unblocked?" But the actual fact, the big on that on that particular play, the big the yeah. whole reason why it went tits up is that um, Demarcus Lawrence was in a position to basically take out the running back who was in t- the intended receiver of that scheme. Yeah. If, if Demarcus Lawrence hadn't managed to do that, then yeah. you know the, the pass would have been complete. Seattle would have still been moving, and yes, it could have been highly different. But yeah. because of that split second, that um, that's all it needed for Micah to take down Geno Smith and get the one sack of the day. So, yeah. um, and, and effectively end the game as well. So, um, yeah. as I, as I say, the. You know, obviously, Deron Bland was also he he was picked on in that first half. Yeah. Um, the I don't blame him for the long touchdown. the 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 long touchdown that he gave up that was purely that uh, Donovan Wilson was actually out of position. Yeah. He'd got he'd followed the eyes of Geno Smith coming into the middle of the field. He should have actually <laughs> dropped back and gone into a position where he could have at least made the tackle. Um, yeah. But didn't. And you know you're then you're then um, playing catch up to try and try and take him down. But other than that, I mean, um, Deron Bland still came away with a pick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, you know, and then the 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 change that they made they they put uh, Stephen Gilmore on DK Metcalf. They put yeah. uh, Bland on Injigba and Lockett. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it it worked out better. And again, going translating going forward, obviously the the Seattle receivers are very similar to what we're going to be facing this weekend uh, yeah. with the Philadelphia wideouts. Um, it gives you an idea of what you're playing against. It gives you a chance to to look go away, look at the inadequacies of last week's game, build on it for this week, and you know. Come come out firing this week, along with the rest as well, and we should be we should be ready this week as well. Yeah, and the comments are kind of lighting up. And as we say, look, folks, we love that you guys will chat to each other in the comments. It's great to see the interaction from you. Little Matt kind of mentioned. He said Jordan Lewis is playing better. DJ Dog responded saying, "Yeah, I agree. He's come he's come up huge in the clutch." And Labarski then came in and said, Does it, he deserves some prop. That's the Lewis of old. And I mean, that's what you want to see from your kind of veteran players is that steady improvement. You know, like Lewis has has had poor games this year, but he's getting better at the time in the season when you want him to be better. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what you've got to remember is if Trayvon Diggs was still there, 
uh, Jordan Lewis probably would be your fourth your fourth cornerback. Yeah. Um, Bland would still be your slot corner, and mm-hmm. he may have, may have surpassed Gilmore, but Gilmore still got that wily veteran sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think Bland is now your you're not for the, the remainder of this season. Bland's probably your number one cornerback. Gilmore's your number two. Um, all, albeit it's a, it's a lot closer than if you were Trayvon Diggs and and Gilmore. Um, but yeah, Lewis certainly came up and had a had a great game in that, in that game as well. So yeah. Absolutely. And look, that's that, that's what we want to see. Um, just want to go back to a point here. I just saw it coming in. I think it was from, um, sorry, from Joe. He's just said that uh, Logan Ryan has signed with the, the 49ers. Um, so, I mean, teams are still adding players and that's what you want to see. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I'd want to take on Logan Ryan personally, but, you know, look, they, they 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 had a need like I think Ufanga is gone for the rest of the season, so they needed a safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean if the the Forty Niners uh, defense, you know, they've had problems this season with their defensive backfield. It it seems mm-hmm. to have solidified in the last couple of weeks. But again, you know, um, the, the the team that thinks that they're going to be um, riding with these guys for the remainder of the season. Um, and not bothering to look and see what's out there, constantly evaluating mm-hmm. um, what's out there and whether it's better f- for you or not. Um, mm-hmm. They're the ones that are that are going to be sitting at home picking first in the draft or whatever. Um, yeah. If if you're constantly churning that roster, I mean, Bill Parcells used to like churning the roster. Jimmy mm-hmm. Johnson back in the days um, before salary cap, you know. There, there were guys coming in on Tuesday, play, playing on Wednesday, uh, playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever, and then yeah. you know picking picking up their their P forty five and they're back on the job market the next week. Um, you know, <coughs> you'd hate to be somebody working in in the uh, in the um, changing rooms and having to constantly <laughs> change 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 the signs that are on on the lockers. Um, Absolutely. And I mean, I, I I get Mark's point here. I'm just going to pull it up. He said, um, I don't like talking about next year because we still have a lot to go this year. But next year's defence should be scary good barring any injuries. And I mean, you know, you're adding in, um, you're adding back, sorry, Trayvon Diggs. You're adding in uh, DeMarvian Overshone, plus whatever comes in in this draft class, you know, I don't think there's too many of the guys are going to be gone after this season um, that are a regular contributor. So, you know, if if you can get maybe Jonathan Hankins, again, another guy who deserves a huge amount of credit over the last couple of weeks, if you can get him back for another season, you're really helping this defence out. Yeah. I, I, I mean, ulti- ultimately, it all depends on the coaching as well. And, you know, if if we do achieve the ultimate goal of winning the Super Bowl, then, mm-hmm. you know, Dan Quinn ha- has satisfied what he said he's staying in Dallas for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think from what I've been reading as well, there's going to be numerous uh, vacancies this this coming off season um, yeah. from from longstanding uh, veteran coaches who may be thinking about retirement or 
maybe ushered out the door. Um, mm-hmm. to obviously, we've seen we've seen a couple of firings already. Um, yeah. You know, so again, Dan Quinn's name should be on on the hot list for a lot of these. Um, you know, I, I, I'd imagine Juice Staley's probably on his. Uh, not uh, Juice Staley. Um, Staley at um, uh, San Diego. Uh, sorry, Los yeah. Angeles Chargers. Los Angeles he's, Chargers. Yeah. He, he's going to be out the door shortly. Eberflus um, is done for. Yep. Yep. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd have no problem seeing Matt Eber Eberflus back in Dallas if he does become available. I, I, I again, I mean. It, 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 you've got to remember that you know Wade Phillips was a great guy as mm-hmm. a defensive coordinator. I mean, yeah. went to three Super Bowls with three different teams as a defensive coordinator. Um, I, you know, was okay as an interim head coach. Ask him to come in and be the the head coach full time, and unfortunately, that was above his sort of pay grade or his ceiling of. Of capabilities, mm-hmm. and it is the higher up you go, the the, the less you're dealing with the the the, the sort of day to day interaction with the players. You've got to, you've got everything else. You've got to timetable everything. You've got more responsibilities. You've got press, media. Um, you know, mm-hmm. e- even with the Cowboys, you've got your own. You've got your own television show that you've got to film yeah. as well, and that's taking time away from it. So. Um, yeah. It really is the heart and soul of the team are actually your offensive and defensive coordinators because you rely on them more than anything else. So, yeah. Um, so Lebarski has kind of said uh, after our Super Bowl win, we might get a few guys back on discount. Um, her, uh, DJ Dog is saying that Jonathan Hankins is on a hot streak. Um, DJ Dog has also said that there's rumblings Kellen Moore could be the next head coach of the Chargers. Good luck to them if that's the case. Joe has said um, he's heard it on some of the podcasts that if Dallas doesn't go far, that McCarthy is on the hot seat and Dan Quinn might be our next head coach. I'm not sure about that. I mean, Mike McCarthy has us on track for another 10, tw- a, a, a 12 or 13 win season. And yep. if you sack a coach who has given you three 12 plus winning seasons. I mean, that just strikes me as rather harsh on a head coach. I, I think so. And I mean, I think the whole reason why we moved on from Jason Garrett is that you were 8 and 8, 8 and 8, 8 and 8, 4 and 12, 12 and 4. You know, you were up and down and up and down and yeah. up and down. There was no consistency. You couldn't say, right, well, we've built on what, what, what we had last season, we've built on this season. And yeah, we're ready to take the next step. Two straight years of twelve and five, you're potentially mm-hmm. at least looking at t- ten wins this season, if if not mm-hmm. twelve again. Um, you know, the, the, obviously the next step for Jerry is trying to get further in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but you know, once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. It really is that's where you need your luck is once you're in the playoffs mm-hmm. um, because everybody that you're playing up against is is not chump change. Um, yeah. You know, these guys are ready to roll and, and, and put, it, put in their best shot for going to the Super Bowl. So, Yeah, absolutely. And like, look, I, 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 I can accept Joe's point here. He's saying for me, if McCarthy 
Justin at least takes the Super Bowl. He should be he should be gone. I mean that that that's quite harsh considering, as they say, you're not playing cupcake teams in in playoffs. Your 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 route to a Super Bowl runs through Pennsylvania or San Francisco. You know, so it's 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 not going to be easy to beat either of those teams if you have to travel to one of those locations or potentially both of those locations. Yeah, I I, I think how you you know if if we get further, but again, it's a heartbreaking loss. I think that if that comes in, if it's an absolute wipeout in in the playoffs, that would probably spell the end of his his mm-hmm. coaching tenure here. Yeah. But um. Again, because it's the consistency that we are least, you know, third third best team at the moment in the NFC. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that certainly is is a plus a plus in Mike McCarthy's uh, cap. Yeah, yeah. And abs- uh, I, I, I did mean to come back to this. So Lindoria is asking, what do you guys think of Brian Drew Room? <laughs> so uh, for those of you who can see over my shoulder, I do have my piano over my uh, my right shoulder here and, you know, my my, my, my marble fireplace. Um, and Labarski is saying, you know, it's just gold and diamonds everywhere. Absolutely it is, Labarski. So thanks for the comments. But um, Mark Anthony, I'm just going to pull up a point here from Mark Anthony. It's so sad to think. In today's game, we would not know who Tom Landry is. He started with six losing seasons and would have gotten fired after the third season today. Yeah. And, and I mean, people were calling for Landry's head after three seasons. Mm-hmm. And Clint, Clint Murkerson responded by giving him a 10-year ten year, ten year, uh, extension. Um, yeah. You know, and Tom, Tom Landry himself, only thought that, you know, he was basically doing it on a year-to-year for those first couple of years. He thought, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole, um, he'd worked on his career um, away from football because back in those days, you know, coaches went out and did sold insurance, all that sort of stuff. They weren't full-time coaches 24-7, 365. Um, And, you know, it it, it took balls of um, steel for Murchison Jr. to actually give Landry that contract, like you know, but you know, it still took another couple of years for him to actually get over the hump, get get to get to the playoffs or have a winning season. And then as soon as you have a winning season, he has twenty, and that has never been matched since. Yeah, the the, the closest was the guy up in New, in New England who got to nineteen, and then. Tom Brady went to another team and he yeah. faltered. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, it, it, it. There's always the debate of who is the greatest head coach of all time. You know, was it Lombardi? Was it Chuck Noll? Was it um? Was it Tom Landry? Is it Bill Belichick? You know, and I mean, I think think the fact that you know, as you said, Landry went twenty seasons with a winning yep. record, you know, like that, that, that hasn't been matched by anyone. And I mean, I think the next closest now is possibly is Mike Tomlin. Yeah. Because he's, he's 12 or 13 seasons now with a winning record, is it? Yeah. Something, something like that. So, you know, um, and, and, and having, having a coach like that, 
a head coach that you know is going to get you eight, eight to ten wins a season. I mean, Lil Mac has kind of said here, you know, 12 and, 12 and 5 with a potential third season of going the same is not to be scoffed at. And I think this is the point here. Mike McCarthy is better than anybody that's going to be available this offseason. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you take on one of the, the hotshot offensive coordinators, you're still rolling the dice that they can step up and, and be a head coach. Yeah. Um, you know, was it, again, was it more that the players that they had excelled with their system where, again, coming to Dallas, the system might not work? Hmm. Um, and then you've got that whole turnaround as well that, um, you know, everybody, everybody st- basically with the turnover in the NFL, you, you never, un- unlike pre-salary cap where, you know, everybody was under contract all the time or you had the rights to that guy until you either traded them away or they died. Yeah. Um, you, you only have to look at it again, and I hate mentioning the name, but Philadelphia only just, um, you know, cut, cutting the guy who's been on the roster or on the, on the roster for 21, 31 years or whatever, yeah. because he got, he got suspended and actually went off and played in three other leagues as well. Um, probably should never have done that because actually Philadelphia still retained his rights. Um, You know, I mean, Roger Staubach's retirement papers or his, his registration papers still haven't been handed in, I believe. Yeah. Something like that. uh, Roger Staubach could probably still go and throw a 40 yard pass downfield, you know? So, um, (laughs) yeah. I, th- I think as uh, I think it was in his own um, a football life that that, that uh, Troy Aikman talked about that you know this you know Lat- or Starbuck is so competitive you know that he he could probably throw the ball as you say 40, 50, 60 yards quite quite easily yeah yep yep but um, look before before we do get out of here Lauren we always love to give our guys a bit of credit and it's hard this week on special teams to give them much credit because Brian Anger was 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 almost an inactive in the game. <laughs> um Cavante Turpin had no punt returns and Hunter Luke only took one kick return out of the end zone. But again, Brandon Aubrey had a busy day and yep. he's still perfect on field goals this season. Yeah. And that's all you can ask for. I mean again we were discussing briefly while we were away on holiday, eh, on, on the trip as well, whether, you know, Brandon Aubrey's got a chance at Rookie of the Year if mm-hmm. if CJ Stroud falters. Um, I, I certainly see it being a possibility. I mean, if not, you create, you create an award for him because, um, you know, certainly, you know, he's, he's now, what, four or five, uh, field goals past the record that was initially yeah. Travis Coombs's record of 18. I think he's yeah. what, um, he must be about 26, 27 now, actually, I think. Yeah, so, yeah he um, definitely passed us before Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, I, th- I think he was, I think he was on 22 going into, going into this week's game and obviously kicked four yeah. there. So that would be 26 then. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> Lebarski, as always, with a killer of a comment. This was my favorite anger performance ever. <laughs> I, I, I mean, considering what happened in um, in the, I think it was the Tennessee Titans Indianapolis Colts game. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm happy that we have a punter who's standing upright at the minute. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and as Joe says, I can't believe there were no punts in that game. I mean, as you said, Lauren, it's the fifth game since the since the the, the merger. Yep. Maybe, maybe even further going back. I mean, obviously yeah. the statistics statistics that have been kept about every single game since the merger have, uh, have obviously been better than pre-merger statistics. But um, yeah, it, it's certainly the fifth game with no punts. Um, post post merger, so absolutely. So look, I think we're we're an hour and fifteen minutes, Lauren, and I think I I think it's time we paid the bills and got ourselves out of here. Yep. yep. No, I'll I'll, I'll I'll give you the Cowboys experience one. So again, obviously, there's only two games left for the the rest of this regular season. But if you're looking for next year or or the remaining games, make sure you book up with Cowboys Experience for the ultimate game tickets, stadium tours, meet and greets, and so much more. I mean, I, I can't stress enough, going into going into the tour, obviously we've been saying that Barry treats you like royalty. I mean, you saw how much Barry put into this. He's got. Yeah. He's already working on ideas for should, should there be another tour, and we're, obviously we're toying with that as well. Yeah. Um, it really has to be. Uh, you really need to book up with Cowboys Experience, and if you are going to book up with them, make sure that you use the code UK Cowboys because you'll get some free stuff as well. <laughs> I, I'm loving that there are calls for us to start the second half of the show from the past. <laughs> <laughs> and as as always, Joe is saying good night, and it's a great show. DJ uh, Dog, it's you, you won't see us next week. There will be a show on Thursday night, which is previewing the game against that team up north. Um, Lauren, I, I'd imagine you will probably be on on Thursday night with Mike on the team. I should be. There's a. Yeah. I, I've got a couple of uh, meetings for my daughter's trip next year, but um, yeah. I'll hopefully be back in time to be on that. Yeah. So we, we we should have a bit more of the crew back. I think kind of everyone everyone has been back to work that's been on the trip. And uh, as I say, if if I hadn't have had Lauren for tonight, I would have been winging this one on my own. So I've, so my my thanks and appreciation to Lauren for joining for Paul, this evening. Yeah, Paul Paul's the last one back, and he's yeah. finally he should be in his bed now because he got he got back to Heathrow first thing this morning. Um, only to find out that the the flight from Heathrow got cancelled, and once again he had to travel across London to London City and get another connecting flight back up. Um, so he was raging about that, absolutely yeah. shattered. And the photos that he was putting in our group about five o'clock this afternoon, um, I mean, he was a he was a dead man walking. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you know, I hope he, hope he manages to get some sleep and he gets back on the UK time as quickly as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, it's 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 a good night for me, folks. And as I say, make sure and join on Thursday night at 9 o'clock here in the UK and Ireland, um, 10 o'clock in Central Europe for our great friend Joe, and then 4 o'clock and 3 o'clock in Texas on Thursday night. 
but it's a good night from me. And it's a good night from me. Dallas forever, Philly for never. <laughs> good night. <laughs>